we pray this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. You can have a seat. Hey, this morning, we're, we're taking a little bit of a break. I know we've been, over the last few months, uh, walking through the book of Mark. And uh, if, you, if you come here, a lot of, a lot of what we do is, is we like to preach uh, verse by verse through a book of the Bible. And, uh, and then a couple times a year, we'll, we'll do a little bit of a topical series. And so the next few weeks, uh, we're going to be in a series called Prince of Peace. And I, I know you're probably sitting here thinking, I think they spelled that wrong. But Isaiah 9, 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. But here's the reality. Emmanuel, God with us. God came, Jesus came, so that God could come and make his dwelling inside of you and I. And so I believe if, the, if Jesus is the prince of peace and he's living inside of us, I think there should be some prince of peace in our lives. That when people look at us, they should be able to see that something is different. And a lot of you this morning, I, I know you, you're like, you know what, I don't know that I live in peace. Or maybe you think you have peace and, and, and as this uh, series goes on, you're going to see by the power of the Holy Spirit that there's something more that God wants to set you free and give you more peace in. And so I, I want our lives to be marked with prints of peace. And a print is a mark made by pressure. I remember uh, a few years ago when Emma was smaller, she was really into Frozen. You guys ever heard of it? It's a small little movie. Uh, this little tiny outfit named Disney made it, I think. But, but there was this character in, in Frozen that, that Emma would dress up as, and she would, she would come, you know, and she would sing the songs, and it was Anna. And she would, she would come, and she'd be Anna, and she'd be singing all the songs. Well, one day we noticed that she comes down, and she's singing the songs. She's got freckles all over her nose. Emma doesn't have freckles all over her nose. She had taken, like, a, a, a pen and a Sharpie and started making all these little dots all over, and she was, like, pressing down, and, and I remember how hard it was, and, and she's crying as we're trying to, like, rub these, these freckles off and, and all that. And, and, and what, what marks me by that is, is, that, is that she put this pressure on her nose in, in a spot that was a little sensitive and it was tough to get rid of. And I just want to let you know there's some things that are going on all around you that are putting some pressure marks on you. There are things that are marking your life. And I just want to ask today, what is it that is leaving the impression? What is it that is lasting? Is it the impression and the marks of the culture that's going on around you, the chaos that's going on all around you? Or are you living in the marks and the pressure of God's presence in your life? Because it looks different and it feels different. And so as we journey through these next few weeks, I hope that our church begins to, to look different, to act different, to respond differently, because we can acknowledge that we have the peace of God inside of us. Today, I, I want to speak to you, and I, can I get your help a little bit? I, I want you to look at your neighbor and say this, say, I've got Christ inside of me, and then I want you to get my title, and I'm making it known. You guys are, whew. I'll see y'all next week. Come on, I've got Christ inside of me. And I'm making it known. See, you know what's funny though? The first time was way more accurate. <laughs> Let's be real. 
That first response is way more accurate to how we actually live our lives. It's like, yeah, I got Christ inside me. Yeah, I'm making it known. But what if we actually lived out that reality in such a way that it was so evident that we wouldn't even have to say it, that we wouldn't even have to preach it and proclaim it because people would come to us and they'd be asking, initiating conversations and questions about why are you behaving this way? How can you respond this way to hardship that is happening? How can you have this peace inside of you when there's chaos all around you? I want us to be marked by peace and I want us to live in such a way that we are making it known. There's a show um, called The Office and I am by in no means endorsing this show. Just wanna make that clear. But there's an episode of The Office that I love and, and if, you, if you haven't watched The Office, there's this guy named Michael and he's the boss, he's the, the manager at this uh, paper sales company and, and there's this one episode where basically he's, he's just goofy, he's crazy, but he starts to find out that he's like drowning in debt. And, and all of a sudden, like he's looking through his credit card statements and he's got these other guys coming in there helping him like, well, why did you spend $200 on like a box DVD set of this and, and all these different things? And he's like, he's not willing to change any of the behavior that got him there and he's, he's in this debt. And so all of a sudden he hears this great idea. He's like, you know what? You might need to declare bankruptcy. And I think my, my favorite scene is this, is that Michael after getting this, this, this great advice, he walks out right into the middle of the office in the midst of everybody working, and he goes, I declare bankruptcy! And they're like, hey, that's not how it works. <laughs> that, that's not how it works. But you know what? The, the problem is that I think some of us were like, I have peace! And it's like, you don't sound like you have Peace. You actually sound like you have a lot of anger and, and some, some tension inside of you. And what happens is we get in the word and the word starts to confront us on all the things that we are, we're doing in our behaviors and our beliefs and all these things that we're not willing to change. And we wonder why we walk out. We're like, I have peace. I promise I'm going to have peace. And we don't have any peace at all. And so this morning, it's, it's not just a, I'm going to declare it and, and hope that it happens but I believe that we're gonna see from scripture the very uh, prescription for how do we attain peace, how do we walk in peace, how do we live in peace no matter what is going on around us. And so if you have your Bibles, we're gonna be in a very familiar chapter if you've grown up in church or even if you've been inside a Hobby Lobby. We're gonna be in Philippians chapter four. And Philippians is a book that the apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. This was a church that he had helped establish with a few ladies that were, that were here. And, and just so you get a little bit of the context, Philippi was, was, a, uh, it was kind of in that area of, of modern-day Greece, kind of in that general vicinity. And, and what had happened was is this wasn't a very big popular town until a, a little bit ahead of this, uh, uh, Caesar came and basically they were fighting a war against each other and this whole Julius Caesar and all, you know, Augustus and all that. They're, they're fighting against each other and basically what happens is this becomes a central spot and, and, and Philip the Great, who was a part of the Roman Empire, he comes and he establishes this as like a, a military spot where some of his soldiers would come and hang, where they'd come and they'd rest and he named the city after himself. How arrogant you have to be to name a city after yourself, but, but that's what happens and 
And so Paul had helped establish and work for this church, and he is writing them, and he's encouraging them in a whole bunch of things. And if you haven't read the book of Philippians, you're missing out on such great truth, great encouragement the apostle Paul is sending to this church. But in chapter 4, he actually, he, he begins to come against something. And he calls out these two ladies who were in, in the church, Iodia and Syntyche, and, and, and saying, hey, you know what? I know that you have a good heart. You were fighting for the church. You were fighting and, and helping me and expanding the kingdom. But now you're, you're kind of fighting against each other. We need, to, we need to get rid of that, right? What did we talk about the last few weeks? That unity is so important. It's so, uh, so crucial to how we live our lives that we should be walking in unity with one another. And as he does this, he's, he's imploring them to walk in unity, and he's also trying to figure out how to tell them, how to tell them how to live in such a, a culture that, that maybe is different. And so he says this in, in Philippians 4, verse 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice and Paul is doing what a lot of preachers like to do is when they want to make a really emphasized point, they repeat themselves. Like, they, they want to make an emphasized point, they repeat themselves. Some of you got that. But he's starting off strong here. He's confronting them and saying, hey, you know what? Don't, don't walk in disunity. Walk, walk together, and, and, and you need to remember why you're here. And as you're doing that, I want you to rejoice in the Lord sometimes. Rejoice in the Lord when it's good. Rejoice in the Lord when it's easy. Rejoice in the Lord when you feel like it. No, he says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice because this is important. Joy is at the foundation of the Christian life. Some of you, maybe you grew up in church and you're like, that does not sound right. That does not sound like the church I went to. It was all doom and gloom and you, you can't smile or else it's like the devil's got a hold of you. No, that's not the life that, that Jesus wants us to live. He wants us to have joy. I did not say happiness. See, happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based on who's inside of you, the hope that you have in your future, the assurance that you have and, and the foundation that you're living your life on. And this word rejoice is this word chiaro, and chiaro denotes that it's not only a feeling, it's an expression of joy, but it's also one that you choose. It's an action that you deliberately have to decide to walk in. You know, sometimes you can't control happy. Like, you'll just watch something, something will make you laugh, or a certain situation will come. Joy is not based on, on how you feel in the moment. And in fact, the first point I want you to write down this morning is this. Joy isn't found in circumstances, it's found in Jesus. Joy isn't found in circumstances. It's found in Jesus. Some of you, you've been wondering why you have no joy in your life, and it's because you're chasing after the right circumstances. You're chasing after the right situation and the right relationship and the right resources and, and the right job, and you want everything to be just right so that you can be joyful. But scripture tells us that we can rejoice in the midst of suffering, that we can rejoice in, in, in the chaos, that we can rejoice in every situation because we have the hope of Jesus Christ inside of us. Can I give you a little uh, tidbit here too? The Apostle Paul is writing this. Can you take a guess where Apostle Paul was sitting when he penned this letter to the Philippians, telling them to rejoice? He was sitting in a prison cell 
chained to a Roman guard. And not only was he just in prison and chained, like hopefully I'll get out tomorrow. The circumstances for Paul did not look good. They looked pretty bleak. Because right in this culture in this time, what was happening is there was uh, Nero who was overseeing the Roman Empire at this time. And Nero, he wasn't a big fan of Christians. And so actually there's, there's parts of, of, of Nero's life that he would throw parties where he would behead Christians. And he'd put their heads on a stake and he'd light them on fire to light up his party. Sound like a party you want to go to? She said Yes. Let's talk. <laughs> but you can just put yourself in the, the situation of Paul that you're sitting here and you're imprisoned and you don't know when you're gonna get out. You don't know what's gonna happen to you. You don't even necessarily have the hope of like my, my, my term is gonna end. No, no, what you have in front of you is the, the very stark reality of Christians who have been like who have been killed and crucified and all sorts of things. They actually would hang people on a cross for being Christians. And here Paul is and he's chained and he's still finding a reason to rejoice. And he's imploring the Philippians to rejoice. Let's continue. In verse five, it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. Some of y'all, you just need to, you need to underline that, highlight that, write it in your journal, write it on your palm, put it on your, your, your phone background. The Lord is at hand. You know what that means? The Lord is within reach. That even in the midst of circumstances, even when Paul is sitting here bound in chains, he knows this, the chains don't keep me from Jesus. The Lord is at hand. And so he says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I, I, I love that, that he's saying that, that since the Lord is at hand, this is, this is a, a, a phrase that is tied together. Since you know that the Lord is at hand, since it is true, it is not opinion, it's, it's not conjecture, this is, this is the reality. The Lord is at hand, the Lord is working, the Lord is nearby, and because of that, you don't have to be anxious about anything. Can I tell you what we have a pandemic of in this country, in this, in this environment today? It's anxiety and anxiousness about everything. There's people that get anxious because they put like the, the tape on the wrapping paper a little crooked. There's people that get anxious because they're, they're worried about what the stock market's gonna do 25 years from now. There's people that get anxious because they're worried about how somebody's gonna treat them or respond or all these different things that we can get anxious about. And what does the Lord say? What does the, the word say that we should be anxious about? Why do you think anxiousness is something that the Lord would be concerned with? Because anxiousness comes against the very thought of faith. You see, when you are anxious for something, you are in that moment beginning to take your faith and your eyes off of Jesus, off of the perfect power and the plan of the Father. 
You are beginning to doubt the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life and you're beginning to look at your circumstances. Can, can I? I, I I've, I've had moments where I've been anxious. I've had moments where, where things have seemed a little overwhelming or when I can't get my mind off of something. But in those moments, I realize, you know what I'm doing? I'm making it so much more about me than it is about God. And so now what I have to do is in those moments that things start to, to make me feel anxious, I have to go and I have to lay them down at the feet of the cross and, 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 and lay them before the Father and say, you know what, God, I can't handle this on my own. There's some things that you're gonna be anxious about that you have zero control over. But hey, good news, I know someone who's got control over everything. And I'm not trying to guilt you because I know there's a lot of people that feel anxious and I want to let you know you're not alone. You are not alone at all. There's a lot of people that are, that are falling into this trap. And I call it a trap because it'll keep you and it'll claw at you. And in the moments that you're like, I just want peace, I just want rest, I just want to have some comfort here, you're wondering, why am I so anxious? I'm getting anxious about not having peace. Now I'm getting anxious about having anxiety and all that. And it's just this trap that you just keep getting yourself into. And at some point, you just have to come back and say, God, I have to surrender this to you. I want to live in peace. The other thing that I think is interesting about this, uh, this passage of verses it says, don't be anxious about anything but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. In everything. How many of you just, you pray about like the big things? Like, about to lose the job. <laughs> Gonna buy this house. Should I buy the house or not? And we think there's this like threshold of like monumental events that we have to pray about. But you know what the scripture is saying? There's nothing too small that if it's a concern to you, it's a concern to the Father. And you can bring it to him and you can lay it before him and you can cast your cares upon him and that he's faithful and he's good. And in this, He's gonna begin to, to, to shift things. And can I tell you something? It's not always shifting your circumstances. It's, shi it's shifting your perspective and shifting your heart and shifting your outlook. But what else does it say in this? It says, but in everything, so in everything, we're gonna bring it in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. This is not talking about bringing some turkey and some stuffing. This is talking about the posture of your heart. How many of you in the room, you got kids? So um, y'all kids ever ask you for something and it's like the worst attitude you've ever heard in your life? It's like, Donnie, I really love you. Can I please get a game on your phone? It's like, no. Right? Or, or, or they come and, and it's like they're begrudgingly apologizing and asking, you know, what do you want to do in that moment? <laughs> Pull over? Is that somebody said? <laughs> Get out. You're out. You've been voted off the family island. No, in those moments, that's not, an, that's not a moment or an attitude or a posture that you want to reward. But how many of us, when we go to God, it's just like, God, I just really need you to stink and do something now. 
I've had about enough. But God is, is, is saying here, he's like, you know what? When you come and you ask me for something, you know what's really good to do? Be thankful for all the ways that have already done stuff, all the things that have already provided, all the ways that have already made. When you come with a grateful heart, a heart full of thanksgiving and praise and recognition of, of what I've already done, not taking it for granted, but when you come and you make those petitions known to me, I'm gonna have a heart that is so much more compassionate towards you, willing to work and move. God wants to do something for somebody who's not gonna take it for granted. We need to have thanks. And so I want you to write this down. It's not always about what, it's about how. It's not always about what you were asking for, what you were in need of, what you were going through. It's about how you bring them to the Father. How are you responding to them? Are you doing it with a heart of thanks? Or are you doing it with a heart of just, you know what, this is my last resort? God doesn't want to be our last resort. He wants to be the one that we turn to when we recognize that he's the source of our strength that he is the foundation of our lives, that he is the one who has done things again and again and again that we don't even recognize. We were talking about this yesterday with our discipleship group. I have a group of guys that we're meeting with on Saturday mornings, and we were talking about this, that, man, can you look back now and see all the ways that God was moving that in the moment you did not necessarily recognize, but now you can see it so clearly. It was God time after time after time. And it's in those moments that you begin to get that, that reflective attitude that you start, you, you can't help but praise and thanks God. You, you, can't, you can't help but worship and honor him because you know, you know what, I, I couldn't be here on my own. There's all these moments in my life that you have worked out. And so when I'm coming to you, I'm not coming also in doubt and fear and wondering if you care. I'm coming because I already know you've done it before and I'm coming to a God who can do it again. Philippians 4, 7, it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Write this down. Inner peace isn't explainable. Inner peace isn't explainable. In fact, most of the times, it's completely downright confusing. Have you ever seen somebody respond to adversity in such a way that you're like, how are they doing that? Why are they, why are they responding that way? Why are they treating those people in that, that, that hurt them, that, that did this to them? Why are they treating them in this, this fashion? And a lot of times it's not because they're just a good person. It's because they got the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them, compelling them by his peace to respond in such a way. How many of you have ever seen somebody that they get the pink slip and they go and respond not in fear, not, not in anxiousness, not, not in, in, in anger, but they respond in complete peace knowing that God has this. We showed a, a video uh, earlier this year of Scott and Kathy. Many of you know Scott and Kathy. Kathy has been going through an incredible journey of uh, of cancer these, these last few years and it's just gotten bleak in certain moments but in every moment that I've been around them they've been able to come and, and share you know what we're really struggling with this but you know we just got to trust God we know that God God has a plan for this 
And as I was talking with Kathy even yesterday, and she's, she's, she's sitting here, and she's like, you know, certain people want to speak certain things and say certain things. She's like, I just have to trust that God's going to do what God's going to do, you know? And, and just in spite of these overwhelming circumstances, she can have this inexplainable peace. And that doesn't mean there aren't moments that come against that you, you get a little flustered and you get, you, you get a little down and all this, but, but you, you repivot your heart, you repivot your mind, and you repivot your thoughts back to the fact that God has this under control, that he is sovereign. He's all-knowing, that he is the God who, who spoke the earth into existence. So if he did that, did that then he's got to be doing something in my life. So I'm not going to judge my peace based on what's happening around me. I'm going to judge my peace based on what God is doing that surpasses all understanding. That even when it doesn't make sense, even when the math doesn't math, even with, when, when things don't compute, that, that I'm going to put my heart into submission, that I'm going to put my mind into submission so that he can guard it in Christ Jesus. Let's continue. Philippians 4, 8 and 9 Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, then think about these things. You know what he's telling you? Think about God. Just think about him. And he says this, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, what you, you've observed God doing in my life, what you've observed from me being able to sit here in this prison cell writing to you, when, you, when you've seen that and observed that, I want you to practice these things. I want you to put it into action in your life. And it says this, when you do that, when you focus your thoughts, when you focus your heart, when you put it into practice, it says the God of peace will be with you. God of peace is with you. The God of peace wants to, to, to give you his peace. The God of peace wants to come and, 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 and make your life filled with peace and joy. But can I tell you something? It doesn't just happen. Inner peace starts with an inner battle. Inner peace, it starts with an inner battle. You're like, well, that doesn't sound like peace. If you've lived on this planet for longer than five minutes, you'll recognize that there are things that are constantly coming against your peace. There are things that are constantly coming in and, and just berating you with, with think this and look at this and feel this and, and, and respond in this and, and all these different things that there is a battle that is going on in your life to steal your peace, to steal your joy, to steal your hope. When I was um, growing up, I had two older brothers and we were really into this um, there's a story, I think outside the Bible, it's like one of the most uh, like poetic, like deep stories. Like forget Shakespeare, but it's this guy who, who, who just comes from nothing. And, and through his hard work and his endurance, he, he works his way up that he, he gets to go against somebody who is the top of the top in their field. 
And he's wondering, can I do it? Can I make it? Can I, can I do it? And he just keeps pushing on, pushing on, pushing on. And with the whole world watching, Rocky, I mean, <laughs> Rocky gets in the, the, the ring with Apollo Creed. And he goes, he goes the full distance and they're, they're just beating the snot out of each other and all this. But what happens is this, is this guy who is from nothing and he comes in here, he kind of proved to himself, you know, there's more in me than what I thought. And I love, uh, we used to watch Rocky all the time and, and there's this one scene, I, I believe it's at the end of Rocky 3. And it's kind of like the, the post-credits scene where Apollo, who used to be the enemy of Rocky now, is kind of help, he'd help train him and all this and, and they go and, and Apollo's kind of now, he's trying to figure out, like, do I still measure up? And there's this scene where they get in and they're, they're, they're standing there and, and all of a sudden at the end of the movie, they're about to box and that movie just ends with this ding, ding. And I remember that used to be like me and my brothers, like we, we would fake fight each other and it was just like ding, ding. And anytime we hit the ding, ding, that meant like fight is on. Doesn't matter whether you got a plate of spaghetti in your hands, like ding, ding, let's go. It's on, we're fighting. And I just wanna tell you right now, ding, ding, there's a fight going on for your peace, for your thoughts, for your emotions. There are things that are coming against you and if you are not aware of the fight, you know what you're gonna get? You're gonna get sucker punched and you're gonna get taken out of the knees. If you think that just peace is just gonna come, that joy is just gonna come because you, you live a good life, I'm just gonna tell you circumstances are gonna come swipe at you and, and take you down. You have to fight for your peace. You have to put on the armor of Christ. You have to go and you have to get in his word and you have to hide his word in your hearts so that when things get a little bit hard and when things get a little bit tough and when things are coming against you and hitting you left and right and trying to veer you off course, you can actually course correct because you know that your peace is not based on what you've done or what's happening around you. Your peace is based on the Holy Spirit living inside you. That the power of God wants to give you peace. What would it look like if you could live in peace? Some of you even have anxiety. Like, what would it be like if I didn't have anxiety anymore? What would I think about? What would I do? It's like my favorite hobby. And it's not a hobby. It's a chain. And he wants to deliver you from it. But you've got to fight One of the things that I, I, I believe that our church is called to do. Over the last few years, we've prayed and we've, we've tried to define what is our vision, what is, our, what is the heart of our church, and I think there's a few different things that come a part of this, but there was a couple months ago, I was driving and I was, I, I prayer drive a lot, and I just will drive in neighborhoods or I'll I'll drive by certain businesses and I'll just kind of make, and I'm, I'm, I'm not just like touring the, the sites like I've seen it before. I'm praying and I'm trying to discern what is God's heart in this place? What is God's heart towards these people? God, can you come and move? Can you come and break down walls that have been built up here? And one of the things that I've just felt so clearly God shared with us is that, that he's calling our church to break the religious spirit of apathy in this community. There, there is an apathetic spirit that is all around us that has gotten us to come and just sit in church and enjoy a good message and then walk out and not live anything out. But God is telling the church, it's time to wake up, ding, ding. It's time to fight. It's time to come and actually walk in the fullness of what God has called us to do. And it's not passive. 
It's not just a wishy-washy prayer. It is standing firm in the faith. It is standing firm in the word that God has spoken, that he will give us peace. Some of you this morning, you know what you have to do? You just have to confess, you know what, God, I, I don't know if I've ever believed this before, that I can live in peace. And you just need to, you need to declare, God, today I receive your peace. Isaiah 26, 3 says, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. God keeps those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him and trust in him. So where's your mind? Where are your thoughts? Is it time for a little bit of a realignment today so that you can live in peace? I honestly think it's one of the things that would differentiate the church more than anything else. Not the fact that we come in here on a Sunday morning, not that we have different hobbies and things, that, not that we play in a church softball league. No, I think that if we were just a people that lived in peace in spite of everything going on around us, that people would respond and just look at us like, what is the deal? But it's because our, our, our minds are consistently focused on him that our thoughts are consistently focused on him. And so I wanna ask you this morning, what is stealing your peace? Honestly, even like for me right now, I would say I'm not a very anxious person. I used to be a lot more anxious. Now, I will say this, I'm a little like ADD sometimes, you know, where I get like hyper-focused on something, but I, I don't really have anxious feelings about things like I used to. But even through the course of this week, you know what happened? Me sitting here thinking, like, I, I, I live in peace. My dad's like the king of shalom. That's like his word. Like, that's what he used to say. Every time he would walk in the room, it's like, shalom. It's like, I got it. I got it. Like, I just kind of feel like, you know what? I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty peaceful person. And, and the Holy Spirit began to reflect. And, and I, I began to realize there's, there's little areas of my life that I am not walking in perfect peace. It doesn't call us to live in general peace. It doesn't call us to live in overall peace. It, it calls us to live in perfect peace. So what is it today that is stealing your peace? Some of you, all you gotta do is close your eyes for five seconds and your mind will immediately drift there. Some of you right now, you're even thinking about your bank account or your, your job or, or the coworker that you have to go see or, or the family that you gotta go sit down at Christmas and you just sat down with Thanksgiving. You're like, I can't do this again. Some of you, it's immediately, you already know the very thing that's stealing your peace. So the question is this, what are you gonna do about it? You know part of the apathetic spirit of religion? You know what it is? Acknowledging all the ways that we come up short and then not doing a thing about it. But a relationship with Jesus compels us to more is, it, is that when he's pointing things out, when the Holy Spirit is revealing things to us, we actually have to go and make a change in our life. 
We actually have to go and begin to develop new patterns, new habits, new processes, new systems. We have to maybe even go form new relationships. We have to go and change the way that we live our lives so that we can walk in the plan that God has for us. And so I'm not just asking you to acknowledge, oh, here, here's the thing that makes me anxious and steals my peace, and you, okay, that's good. No, you need to come and you need to lay it down. What are you gonna do about it? What are you giving your peace away to? Some of you, it's not that something's stealing it. Something, it's that you, you choose it. Some of you, you, you like choose to go get in the middle of everything and worry about everything. And you gotta be in every conversation and you gotta be a part of all the drama. And you gotta be part of every, what is What is coming and, and what are you giving your, your, your piece of way to? Where is it you can draw some lines in your life so that you can walk in peace? Let's pray together. God, I thank you. I thank you that there's hope. I thank you that we don't have to acknowledge the the areas of anxiety and the the areas that are stealing our peace and stealing our joy and just, just hope for one day. But God, I thank you that there's hope as we put our trust in you, that even in Isaiah 26, 3, that it says that if we keep our, our mind focused and directed on you, and as we trust in you, that you will keep us in perfect peace. And God, today, I believe there's many of us in this room that we, we can't start having peace with others. We can't have, start having peace with anything else until we've experienced inner peace. And today, you want to give us that inner peace. God, today, I I pray that you would reveal by the power of your Holy Spirit even the smallest things that we're doing to give away our peace and that we'd have the power to stop it by the power of your Holy Spirit. And God, I I pray that you would give us a hunger for your word instead of a hunger for, for drama, a hunger for gossip, a hunger for everything else that's going on. God, give us a hunger for your word so that we can live and walk in the truth Lord, I think so much of our anxiety is, is because we just aren't walking in truth. We aren't believing truth. We aren't recognizing your word. And so, God, I pray that you would erase anything that's not of you in our hearts today. It's stealing our peace. And, God, we acknowledge that we can't do this on our own. God, we need you. We need your power. Holy Spirit, we need you to come and to fill us up again. And God, give us peace. Lord, help us to remember that we are not forgotten, we are not forsaken, we are not abandoned, but God, we are made whole in you. And there's never been a moment that you weren't there. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name.